Hello, Path 11 podcast listeners. We would like to welcome you to our show today. We have a returning guest, Daryl E. Berry Jr., and he is going to be discussing The Course in Miracles today with us. But before we get into that, we would like to mention our sponsor for today, who is Jeff Finley of MakerMistaker.com. Jeff also runs a podcast of Maker Mistaker Podcasts, and he also has a great book out there called Wake Up, The Morning Routine That Will Change Your Life. And you can get this at his site on MakerMistaker.com backslash path. And the great thing about it is you could pay whatever you want. It's an ebook edition that's available to everyone, and you decide what it's worth to you. So if you would like to find his book and listen to his podcast, head on over to MakerMistaker.com backslash path. Okay, and we have our returning guest, Daryl E. Berry Jr., back with us this week. Last week, we were talking a lot about out-of-body experiences and some of the books that he wrote about that with his beginner's guide to having the out-of-body experience. And he's back with us this week to talk more about The Course in Miracles and what that is. And it's a pretty heavy podcast, we have to say. There's a lot of information that's given. This might even be a podcast that you want to listen to a couple of times. He does a really nice job of bringing some of the passages to the podcast and reading them and trying to dissect them a little bit, but there's a whole lot of information in this podcast for you guys. So we would like to welcome Daryl to our show. Awesome. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Course in Miracles today. And I know that some of the, like we were talking about in our last podcast, um, some of the stuff that I have been exposed to in A Course in Miracles is more like students of A Course in Miracles, and then they go on to write their own books. Like um, the two people that I'm familiar with is Marianne Williamson and Gabriella Bernstein. But I also downloaded The Course in Miracles book, um, I think, to my iPod, and then there was like a workbook for 365 days of the lessons of the year. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I have a feeling that you're going to have a ton of information and just to, um, you know, if you can, like educate people right from the beginning of how this how this Course in Miracles came to be. I remember I stumbled upon it, I want to say maybe a year and a half, two years ago, and had never heard of it. And it's been out for years. What was That's it? right. Yeah, decades yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, decades, I know. Um, and I, I remember like looking at the first page or it said something like that this is a required course in life. So, you know, being in the field of, you know, a lot of the holistic therapies and just, you know, all of this information mm-hmm. about just growing and healing and stuff. I couldn't believe that I've never run across it before, you know, 30 years of my life and, and now I'm just stumbling upon it. So I kind of also feel there's something about the information that maybe it shows up in people's lives when they're ready for it. So that is true. Um, yeah. So why don't you just uh, take us from the beginning, if you can let people know what this Course in Miracles is all about and how it came to be. The course first came about, there was a lady named Helen Truckman. And uh, what happened is she was a, a psychologist, you know, very professional. And uh, she worked in an environment that, you know, like most of the uh, 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 scenarios on this planet were very stressful. Uh, like most of our corporate environments and so on and so forth, you know, about pr- production, about uh, 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 status, about appearance. And her and her boss, uh, who was Bill Detford, William Detford, they were very at odds with each other, to put it to put it lightly. And uh, 
what happened is they had so much frustration, so much anger, so much negativity, uh, so much competition, you know, um, amongst their their peers and their in their work environment that uh, Helen came up with the idea. You know, basically, she said there must be another way. Uh, and and to her surprise, Bill Thetford said, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you find it. I agree. And uh, so basically in that moment, they went from being at each, at each other's throats, which, you know, over the course of their relationship over the decades, they still were a lot of times at each other's throats. But from that moment, a new way of, of interacting began. And in response to her uh, uh, investment and finding another way, initially she started to have these visions and, and dreams that were highly symbolic and highly mystical, which she eventually started to write down and note. And eventually uh, uh, she started to hear a voice. She described it as a, a voice that had no sound, but, but, but started to dictate information to her. And one of the things that said early on was, you know, this is a course in miracles, please take notes. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, the early part of the course the first five chapters are, are, are a lot of personal material was there. A lot of people try to make a, 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 a big deal about the urtext. And the urtext is basically uh, she would actually dictate what the voice dictated to her in shorthand. And then she would read the shorthand to Bill Thetford and he would type it out. And the, the initial typing that he typed out is called the urtext, which which included a lot of personal material because initially she was afraid. Now you're talking about a, psych, a psychologist uh, who was not necessarily religious. I mean, she was very much into into the idea of the of the Catholic Church. She liked the atmosphere. She liked the language of the Bible, but she was not necessarily religious. And now she's hearing a voice from on high, basically. And uh, so she was very afraid. She was very self-conscious. Bill Thetford helped her a lot through that with, with, with his uh, companionship. They were never, uh, at least, you know, that I'm aware of, uh, romantically involved. I mean, she was married to someone else, but they became the best of friends. And uh, But she would, she would, you know, read her shorthand to Bill. Bill would type it out, and that became the, the urtext, which included a lot of personal things. Now, you had mentioned the the... The, the verse that's for actually from the introduction that says uh, uh, this is a required course. That's that's one of the many things that's misunderstood about the course. So that verse is not saying this is a required course. Everybody needs to take it like this is the the thing. What happened is Helen was was an educator. She used to teach classes and things. And she came from from a, 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 the, the background of a university curriculum within which there are required courses and their electives. You know, you, you go to a college course and there's some courses if you have a major that you have to take in order to get your major. And there's so many courses that are called electives where you can pick out which one you want. Maybe you like art, maybe you like music, but you have to have an elective, but you, you have your option. So what she was saying was because some of the things she was hearing was was a threat to her way of thinking. Because the course very much challenges our perspective of the world. Basically, it tells us everything that we believe is backwards and upside down. Because the things she was hearing was so challenging to her way of thinking, she said, do I have to do this? Is this something I have to do, talking personally about herself? And the voice says, yes, you have to do it. It's not an elective. It's a required course. And when they took the urtext and they edited, edited, edited that down to make it a more public uh, format, 
that's how it came out. And uh, Kenneth Wapnick, who was the who was the first and greatest teacher of A Course in Miracles, who teaches it accurately. He knew Helen personally. Uh, if you get, you know, he has several, uh, uh, you know, recordings of his classes and books out. Now he died in 2012, but uh, on one of his recordings, he said. Uh, you know, he 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 described the scenario and, and why that was edited that way, and and that's one of the things that he said that they even thought amongst themselves, like you know, Bill Thetford, Helen Shuckman, uh, Judy Scutch helped publish the course and put it out publicly with the Foundation for for uh, Inner Peace. You know, that's one of the things they said when people started to misunderstand that verse that they wish they would have put a different way so people wouldn't think it meant that everybody needs to study this course but uh but that's that's where that verse comes from okay so she kept she kept uh uh uh, you know scribing and after the first five chapters that's when she started to come into her own and 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 just like with me with the out-of-body experience we talked about the last time you know in my experience as, as i started to become aware of my various lifetimes, you know, I have lifetimes where I, where, where I, you know, was in China. I have lifetimes when I was in India, when I was studying various things. And this is one of my lifetimes where those things are starting to come to a head. So it's, it's no, uh, it's no coincidence that I started spontaneously having out of body experiences and inter- interacting with extraterrestrials because this is one of those lifetimes where it's a bit farther along the line. And those things from my perspective are my past life. You know, all, all lifetimes happen at once, but the way it plays out, we have advanced lifetimes and, and, le- and, and lesser advanced lifetimes and more advanced lifetimes basically draw from the other lifetimes and, and, and forward its potential. So Helen, in her various lifetimes, she had this channeling ability uh, uh, what they call describing ability. So that's why she was able to get to have to be such a pure channel to access such a higher level of you can say the universal mind so after chapter five when her fear abated and she became more in, in you know accepting of this ability uh you know one time she had this dream where she 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 saw this scroll and it was a scroll you know like like a papyrus scroll you know you rolled it up and to the left of the scroll she looked and she can see the past and she knew that she can use the scribal ability and and access any, any information she wanted in the past. Uh, much like Edgar Casey, how he was able to take down a lot of medical data. She knew that if she applied it in, in a certain way, she could ha- access anything about the past. And she looked to the right and saw that she could access anything about the future. For instance, Nostradamus. She knew that she could access any information she wanted about the future. But what she did was she took the scroll and rolled it up. So all she saw was the the single phrase in the direct center of the scroll, which was God is. And that was her symbolic decision to not abuse the ability as she found out she did in the past. Uh, And for instance, you know, find out a whole bunch of stuff about the past or find out stuff about the future and be, you know, some psychic or whatever. Some, uh, you know, she decided to use that ability to to access a level of information beyond 
that paradigm and, 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 and her scribing became much more clear. And that's why when you go from chapter six onward, it becomes more Floyd. You know, chapter one, the entire paragraphs are two sentences or two verses. But when you get into chapter 10, chapter 20, you have paragraphs in blank verse and full Shakespearean, Shakespearean blank verse. So as, as the course goes along, it becomes much more sophisticated in, in its form because the scribal ability became more clear. And uh, but that's also why uh, people who try to latch on to the earth text, because the earth text, for instance, uh, it mentions uh, 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 sexual motivations or, uh, or, or sexual impulses. Uh, and people mistakenly think that to mean, oh, we need to get the earth text because, you know, they uh, a lot of people mistakenly believe that Kenneth Wapnick, when he came along, he actually uh, altered the course when he did not. You know, all the editing of the course was done by Helen under the, under the direction of the of the of the voice uh, to clarify all the personal things that happened. So, for instance, if you look in the course now, instead of saying sexual impulses, it might say ego impulses versus miracle impulses because it recognizes that every single impulse is the same. Uh, that's why the course says in the very first verse, there's no order of difficulty in miracles, because according to the course, everything is an, is an illusion. Everything is an illusion but God, going back to that vision that Helen had. She didn't want the past. She didn't want the future. She rolled it up and only wanted God is. According to the Course, God, and it's not a religious term. It's just, you know, like it, it came through uh, a certain channel that had a certain background. As I said earlier, she was very uh, enamored by the language of the Bible as well as Shakespearean language. So it comes out in that form. It is talking about a universal reality, uh, 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 totally beyond the illusion of, 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 of this world, totally beyond duality, a oneness to join within itself with no separation, no distinction. In, in comparison to this world does not exist at all. That's why the course is the teaching of pure non-dualism. That's why on the, on, on the subtitle of, my, of classes on, uh, of my book is, you know, pure non-dualism. Because uh, A Course in Miracles teaches that only that reality is real and nothing else is real at all. And being that nothing else is real at all, everything is equal in its illusory nature. So whether I have an impulse to eat food or whether I have an impulse to, to have sex or whether I have an impulse to, to get this morsel of food or whether I have an impulse to grab this bottle of alcohol – any impulse we have to make ourselves feel better that does not address the mind's choice to be separate from that oneness is equally illusory and will equally fail. That's why it talks about miracle impulses versus ego impulses now. You know, so uh, there's so many misconceptions about the course that people have. Uh, and, and that's one of, one of the reasons why I like, you know, writing and teaching now to help address these 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 misconceptions. So. That's a general uh, uh, history of, of how the Course came about. Now, as far as what the Course says, uh, now the Course, you know, being a Course in Miracles, to understand what the Course says, because there's so much that, that can be said about the Course, like every single chapter in classes is a, is a one or a one hour and a half class. Uh, but the focus on one aspect, we could, of course, focus on the miracle. Now. If you have the Course, like you were saying, you downloaded it, so you have access to it. If you were to go to the workbook, and go to uh, the workbook is, is basically in two parts. Uh, let, me, let me back up. 
So the course is, is divided into three different uh, major sections. There's there's the text, which is basically the theory of the course. It gives the, the, the full theoretical foundation upon which the ideas uh, uh, flow. And the second part of the course is the workbook to where it takes the theory of the course and frames it in a way that can be applied. So it's 365 lessons, one lesson for each day. And basically it gives you different ways of thinking. Uh, for instance, the first workbook lesson says, nothing I see means anything. That's not going to be uh, 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 meaningful to you unless you understand that the course says that the universe is illusory. You know, that, that nothing here is real. You know, for instance, if you go to chapter 23 of the text, in chapter 23, section 2, it says there's no life outside of heaven. It says where God created life, their life must be. In any state apart from heaven, life is illusion. At best, it seems like life. At worst, like death. Yet both are judgments on what is not life, equal in their inaccuracy and lack of meaning. Life not in heaven is impossible. That is what the Course says. So that's why when you get to the workbook, when, when it says nothing I see means anything, that's why it means nothing. Because what you're seeing, what you're perceiving is not heaven, is not life, is absolutely illusory. So you have to have a foundation of understanding of the text in order to make the manual, I mean, the, uh, excuse me, the, the workbook have meaning. Now, uh, and then when you have that theoretical foundation and you apply the workbook, then those those lessons have meaning. And then you get to the third part of the of the of the, of the course, which is the manual for teachers that answers various questions that a student might likely have. Like are changes required uh, in the life of God's teachers is one of those chapters where basically the course points out that it's not a religion. It's not it's not a, a ritualistic thing. It's about how you think. That's why when you go to the first the first chapter of the of of of, uh, of the course on page three in the text, it says miracles are thoughts. So so miracles are how you think. So you don't have to go live on a mountain to do a course of miracles. You don't have to give up sex or give up food or give up alcohol because they're illusions anyway. If it makes you happy, do it. That's fine. But what the course is interested in is how you think. The course is interested in how you interpret these things. And what, and what we learn to do is, as time goes on, we start to learn to interpret things in such a way where it has no effect upon us. You know, as that verse I, I was reading, uh, according earlier was saying, you know, in any state apart from heaven, life is an illusion. At best, it seems like life at worst death. At, at best, it seems like pleasure at worst pain. At best, it seems good. At worst, bad. So what the Course is telling us is the good and the bad is illusory. It's not trying to take away the good. It's not trying to take away the bad from us. If that's what we want, it's simply letting us know that you're not going to be happy unless you let them both go and look at the middle of that, of that scroll, as Helen was saying, God is. You will only find happiness. You will only find wholeness by stepping out of the illusion entirely. But until you're ready to do that, you're fine doing whatever you want to do. Just gradually, along with me, learn to look at it differently. You know, so the, so the manual goes into things like that. Uh, when you go on to the authentic course, because cause as, I was, as I was saying, you know, some people stole, basically. It, it was really stolen, the Urtext. There's also uh, a version of the course that was given to uh, 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 the Edgar Cayce Foundation. I don't remember the exact name of it. I believe the abbreviations are A-R-E. Uh, but basically, they had the Urtext, and then uh, they typed it up in a professional way to start to, to publish it. 
when they first typed it up, they gave basically the first draft to uh, the people at the Edgar Casey Foundation because, you know, he was a channel and, 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 and that, the, the two groups became kind of friends. And uh, somebody stole that and published that. That became the, 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 the Casey uh, uh, edition. And uh, but each of these things have mistakes because they were not uh, uh, properly edited at that time. Like even even the, the Hugh and Casey version, that version, there's a there's a few paragraphs missing because apparently uh, when Helen was scrolling through her uh, shorthand notebooks reading to to Bill, uh, she must have you know two pages must have been stuck together. So when she read it to Bill. There was two paragraphs missing. So when they went through and re-edited the whole thing again and, and went through everything, they added those two paragraphs again. So if you want to get the authentic course, you have to get the foundation for inner peace version. If you want to get the authentic one, the, the foundation for inner peace, the second edition, which is when they went back, they uh, uh, found those two paragraphs that was missed. Uh, uh, Kenneth Wapnick did help them add um, uh you know, t uh, chapter uh, titles and and uh, uh, section titles, and and uh, he made it more professional with with versing. Like you, you can see that the, the text now has verses for each uh, each sentence has a number to it. So he helped with stuff like that with the aesthetics of it. Uh, but you know, that second edition from the Foundation of Inner Peace that is the authentic course now. You know, be because the 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 thought system is so advanced and and so pure. I mean, you can still you know, uh, get the gist of what it's saying from those other editions. It's not to say that, you know, you're going to go to hell if you have the other editions or anything like that. It's just that, like I was saying, there's a lot of things you can misunderstand if you don't have the theory properly, which, of course, you don't have the theory properly if you're just picking it up, which is why a lot of people that believe in getting these earlier editions get it wrong because, you know, a lot of things are so apparently unclear. But when you understand the, the core message that it's saying, for instance, that there's no life outside of heaven, that miracles are thoughts, uh, you could put those things in perspective. You know, but going back to the to the uh, uh, manual and the supplemental uh, material. So uh, after Helen scribed the course, you know, a few years later, you know, she realized she can still access that level of thought whenever she wanted. And she also uh, scribed a few supplements. There's one called the prayer, the song of prayer, and one called uh, a psychotherapy pamphlet where she, you know, she started uh, uh, um, scribing additional things uh, specific to certain topics, which you could only get from the foundation for inner peace as well. But uh, uh, but that's basically w uh, how the course came about. Um, now, going back more into the miracle, uh, one of the most uh, uh, explicit and direct um, uh, explanations of, of, of the miracle, which is something I always go back to in my classes, uh, is this part in the workbook, uh, the second part of the workbook, uh, section 13, what is a miracle? But of course, literally defines specifically what a miracle is. It says, what is a miracle? And this is what it says. It says, a miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. And again, we're talking about a course in miracles. And this is saying what a miracle is. A miracle is a correction. It does not change. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception, nor exceed the function of forgiveness. Thus it stays within time limits. Yet it paves the way for the return to, of timelessness and love's awakening, for fear must slip away under, under the gentle remedy it brings. Now, 
this, you know, one thing you'll find out about the course is it's very consistent. Everything it says aligns and intertwines with, with everything else. When you read this verse, it looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. So the miracle is not about changing things in the world. A lot of people mistakenly want to believe it's talking about miracles as people normally talk about it, like the miracle of turning water into wine, the miracle of healing people, the miracle of of, of you know, of being told, you know, what to do in my life. That's not that's not what it's about. It's about looking on the devastation of the experience of separation from life. Because as we, as we discussed earlier from that verse in chapter 23, there's no life outside of heaven. So anything that's not life, you know, it's death. It's the opposite, the seeming opposite, which is why if you look at the world, it's based upon death. Nothing can live in this world without something dying. It doesn't matter if it's an animal. It doesn't matter if it's a plant. It doesn't matter if it's the bacteria that we breathe. Every time we breathe, you know, a lot of people try to say, you know, let me stop eating animals so because that's so horrible, that's so bad, you're killing another life, and that's fine. But a plant is just as much alive as an animal. That's why the Course says even a grain of sand is a part of the sonship. The sonship is the, is the word it uses for this illusory mind as one that's projecting this universe. You know, everything is a projection of that one mind. Everything has consciousness. So it doesn't matter what you eat. When you breathe, you breathe in millions of bacteria that die in, in the process. So there's no way that we can live in this universe without killing something, even if you live off energy. You know, we, you know, there's yogis and things like that who learn how to live off prana. They're still absorbing energy to change it or destroy it. You know, destruction could be called change when you change something from its, its previous state. You know, our existence is based upon destruction because the, because it's the, the world is the supposed antithesis to life, to what reality is. So what the Course teaches us to do is to look at our lives, to look at the devastation that is our life. And every, everyone has a life of devastation, whether they realize it or not. You know, people who, who come to the Course come to the Course because they're upset, because they're in pain, or at least that's why they stick with it. You know, there, there's a part of the Course in Chapter 2 that says uh, tolerance for pain may be high, but, but it is not without limit. You know, and, and I'm paraphrasing on this one. It says, you know, everyone became, becomes to realize at some extent that there must be another way, like, like the, the, the realization that Helen came to. There must be another way. To, to the lack that I feel, to the anger that I feel, to the pain that I feel, you know, in my life, you know, in my experience of myself and my experience of the world, you know, and, and what we do is, you know, we try to find some kind of satisfaction in the world, you know, as the Course points it out, and, and basically every single avenue we seek is one of four different ways, is either power, is either pleasure, is either fame or wealth, you know, everything that we do in the world to make ourselves happier, to fulfill ourselves, it falls into one of those categories of some combination, power, pleasure, fame, or wealth. And those things never work. That's why, you know, the millionaire gets one million, they got to get two million or 10 million. I mean, how many millions do you need? You know, uh, are these people who get, a, you know, they get, you know, 10 luxury cars, you know, they all just sitting there, they can't drive them all because it's never enough, you know. So what the Course is teaching us to do is to realize where, where our experience of lack is really coming from. And it's coming from the devastation of believing that we're separate from that oneness, the, 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 from believing that we're separate from reality, our true existence. So basically, according to the Course, the entire universe is, is a projection of an illusory mind 
that wanted to believe it can be separate from oneness. According to the Course, none of this ever happened, and none of it did. That's why the Course says, you know, the tiny tick of time was all there ever was, was all there ever was. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why people are so invested in trying to say that the Course is, that, that God is in some kind of way, uh, uh, uh you know, in touch with this world at all. You know, like you were mentioning Marianne Williamson, I, I remember seeing a video of her where she said that, you know, spiritual people like Jesus, they were an intersection between the divine and the material. That is totally false. That is absolutely false. There is no interaction between the divine and the world. You know, as we as I quoted earlier, there is no life outside of heaven where God created life. Their life must be in any state apart from heaven. Life is illusion. God does not intersect with illusion at all. There is no intersection between the divine and the physical. And the reason why uh, there's, there's misconceptions like that is because, as the Course teaches us, you know, the ego's existence, and let me, let me back up again. So the Course, uh, the way this, this Course describes it is uh, this illusory thought that arose. It says that consciousness was the first split introduced into the separation. So basically, consciousness is that initial experience of this illusory mind of being separate. And when that thought seemingly arose, this illusory mind had one of two ways of looking at it. Being, being that it's a thought of separation, it did what it is. It separated. And it separated into two different ways of perceiving the thought of separation itself. You know, one way of looking at this thought is is that the separation is real, that it is valid. And the Course anthropomorph anthropomorphizes that into the ego. The other way of looking at this thought is the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how the Course anthropomorphize, anthropomorphizes that mind's way of looking and recognizing that the separation never occurred. So you have the ego and the Holy Spirit. So when the Course talks about the ego, it's not talking about some separate thing like a devil on your shoulder telling you to be evil. When the Course talks about the Holy Spirit, it's not really talking about some separate entity that's flying around telling you to, what to do in your life. It's talking about different ways that this mind has of interpreting uh, 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 that idea of separation. Uh, and that's why when you go into chapter 4 of the text, it says, it is surely apparent by now why the ego regards spirit as its enemy, in quotes. The ego arose from the separation, and its continued existence depends upon your continued belief in the separation. Let me read that again. The ego arose from the separation, and its continued existence depends on your continuing belief in the separation. The ego must offer you some sort of reward for maintaining this belief. All it can offer is a sense of temporary existence, which begins with its beginning and ends with its ending. It tells you this life is your existence because it is its own. And, and that's from chapter 4, section 3 of the text in paragraph 3. So that's why people have this investment in believing that God has some kind of interaction with the world, that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you what to do with the world, why would the Holy Spirit try to tell you what to do in an illusion? It's an illusion. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is that you recognize the illusion for what it is, as we read about in the workbook, that you look on devastation 
and that you become aware that it is not true. That's all the miracle does. But as I just read, the fear that we have of that is because the temporary existence we believe is our existence. That's why we're so attached to the I. We're so attached to our individuality. You know, people get so upset when you say their name wrong, for instance, or when you don't acknowledge them, when you don't respect them, when you don't when you don't acknowledge what they do, when you don't get them credence or credit, you know. And then when we look in our uh, 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 our world, you can see how it plays out. You know, I just I just remember reading recently where there's some uh, 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 sitcom. Uh, I believe the, the Rock is in it, and I don't know if, if, the, if the situation is true or not. But it's been reported that uh, you know that this man is suing them for plagiarism. You know, he's saying they stole his idea. What does he want? He want he wants recognition. He wants acknowledgement. He wants he wants the the, the wealth that's due to him for his idea. You know, and and if they did do that, they wanted that recognition. They wanted the acknowledgement. You know, they wanted they wanted the 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 wealth and the fame that comes with that, and they didn't want to share it. So they stole it if they did it, or it's just a, just a mistake, and he just wants to get the recognition and steal it. But that's 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 all throughout our, our existence. People, we want recognition. We want we want our just due. You know, you know, don't don't say my name wrong. Don't 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 disrespect me. You know, uh, it, it's based upon maintaining that I, because that existence we've 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 intertwined with our sense of being, not realizing that our true sense of being is totally beyond all of this. But because we're so, uh, we have so distorted our self-concept, and and basically ourselves with illusion, we're having an, an investment in maintaining that illusion, because we believe that temporary existence is not us. You know, so that's why you see people, you know, believing that the miracle has anything to, anything to do with anything in the world that does not. As the Course says on page three in the first chapter, miracles are thoughts. Miracles refer to how you think. Now, continuing that progression, we talked about the illusory mind. We talked about the two ways of looking. What happened is this illusory mind, as we just read, it, it ego anthropomorphizing because it, it that sense of temporary existence, it, it began to mistake and the mistake as its own existence. So it wanted to maintain it. And when it attached to the ego, that's that's what we can call the third step of this separation. And the fourth step is the making of the universe. If you go into chapter 18 of the text, it talks about how uh, the entire universe is a projection of, of that one thought. What we think of as the universe is not anything created by God. Right. As we read earlier, there is no life outside of heaven. There is no life outside that state of purely non-dualism. Non right. Anything that's separate, anything that's fragmented is not real at all. Right. So this entire universe is a projection of that thought of separation taken seriously. You know, that's, that's why the Course says that, that of the tiny mad idea. It says that's, that's what it calls the entire basis of the universe. It calls it a tiny mad idea. And it says it's a, it's a tiny mad idea at which the son of a God forgot to laugh. According to the course, the entire universe is, is just a projection of an, of an insane thought that there can be life beyond or outside that state of absolute oneness. That's why if you go to chapter 18, I read another verse. It says, this is chapter 18, section 1, paragraph 4. And I know we only have an hour. I know this is a lot of information, but people could go back and, and reread and re hear it again. But in chapter 18, section 1, paragraph 4, it says, You who believe 
that God is sure made but one substitution. One substitution. It has taken many forms because it was the substitution of illusion for truth, a fragmentation for wholeness. It has become so splintered and subdivided and divided again over and over that it is now almost impossible to perceive it once was one and still is what it was. That one error was brought truth to illusion, infinity to time, and life to death was all you ever made. Your whole world rests upon it. Everything you see reflects it, and every special relationship you have ever made is a part of it. This is what the Course says. This is chapter 18, section 1, paragraph 4. It is saying everything you see reflects the one thought that you can substitute totality for separation. That's what the universe is. So what scientists call the Big Bang is, the is that projection. It's this one universal mind of a, of, a, of a scale that we can't even fathom from our experience as an individual. That one universal mind projecting, again fragmenting that idea of separation. That's why it says everything you see reflects it. Everything you see reflects that one thought because it's a projection of that one thought of separation, which is, again, why you can see separation so much on our planet, right? You, you look at the human race, we're all human, but we say your skin is light and your skin is dark, so we're different and let's kill each other. You know, you can go into the Middle East, there's people that are the same people, but they believe in different versions of Islam and they've been fighting for centuries, you know? We all live on the same planet, but we find reason after reason after reason to be separate. You know, uh, you know, in the slavery times in America, your skin is dark, my skin is light, so you should be a slave. You know, then it became, I have property, you don't have property, so you should be subservient. So many different reasons to find separation because, as it says, everything you see reflects that thought of separation. And every special relationship, every relationship based upon separation that you have made is a part of that original thought that you can be separate and find happiness in that separation, which is why there's nothing but separation and separation. There's rich and then there's poor. There's have and there's have-nots, right? There's more and there's less. You know, there's, you know, someone has to have and someone has to not. There's, there's winning and there's losing. Separation, division, over and over and over. I mean, if you think about it, we all live on the planet together. Why do we have to have all this separation? It makes no sense. I remember, I remember seeing this, 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 this uh, image on social media that the world is in. So many trillions of dollars of debt. To who? <laughs> there's nobody else. There's, there's just us. You know, if you wanted, we could just do away with money and just recognize we're all one people. Let's just live as humans on, on the planet. And that's, that's how a lot of these advanced planets live, like the Pleiadian planet. You don't have money. They don't have governments because they're all Pleiadians. They just recognize, well, we're all Pleiadians. We might as well just work together and, and make everything work. You know, because they don't have separation and division, they utilize the footage of technology. We have technology to have free energy. Right? We don't have to use gas and fossil fuels, but guess what I can do if we have gas and fossil fuels? I can have separation. I can have access to the oil and you cannot. Right? And if you have the oil, I'll come over there, blow you up, and take it from you, and then I have it, and then we have the wealth, and we have the control, we have the power. If everybody had a box that can produce an infinite amount of energy, well, I mean, that that takes away a lot of the reins of control from certain people. You know, so uh, you know, our, our world is so heavily invested. That's why if you're going to 
Like there's this guy named if you want to if you want to know what the course really says, you know, you know, besides my teachings, you can you can get this guy, get this book by Gary Bernard. He, he, he wrote these books called The Disappearance of the Universe, uh, Your Immortal Reality. And uh, love has forgotten no one. He's writing another one now. Uh, uh, and you know, uh, long story short, he these ascended masters came to him, uh, which were basically rep representations of symbols of that one that, of that level of thought that we call the Holy Spirit, which Helen got into in touch with when she described the course. He got in touch with in that form, and uh, they took him on an out of body experience, and took him to to, to a Pleiadian craft. It was basically showing, basically giving him a tour of the universe, and uh, and you know, when they met the Pleiadians, he was saying how a lot of these the, the Pleiadians they're starting to disappear, they're starting to incarnate less, because they start to become enlightened, and uh, become become you know basically every single individual, as we, as I read in that verse earlier, is a fragment or a symbol of that one mind that's projecting everything. So uh, as the universe disappears, as that thought goes away. Symbolically, the way it plays out in a universe is it as an individual will reach enlightenment, like Mother Teresa or Yeshua. When people become pure manifestations of love, when they totally let go of that investment of separation and become, become loving, come, become forgiving, there's no judgment, there's no pain within them. And she was saying that the Pleiadians are coming to that point, and that's why their population is going down because they, they're starting to reincarnate less. You know, so. Uh, 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 What's going to happen is that's going to happen with us as well. But we have to we have to decide to interpret the world differently. As long as we keep investing in the idea of separation, that's why we keep coming back over and over and over to play out that idea of separation, right? But I was saying saying all that to say that on that planet they don't have this separation because they're getting to that point because they're letting go of the investment in separation, and they start to see and recognize where we all want people. Let's not kill each other. You know, we're all, you know, we're all living together. Why not just do away with money and just, you know, uh, why don't, why not automate things? You know, there's a, there's a big uh, fuss about technology. Technology is taking away jobs. Good. <laughs> Good. If technology is doing it, then I don't have to do it. I can write my books if I don't have to do it. You know, we just have things so backward because on this planet is so, we're so invested in separation. So we think the machine takes my jobs. Now what I'm going to do, I can't work. Well, the machines do everything. You don't have to work. Now you can write and do art and travel because everything is automated. There's so many different ways we could we could run our planet. But on this planet, you know, we're so invested in the idea of separation. That, that that's, that's, that's how it plays out. But I knew that was a lot of information. Uh, people can go back and replay it and follow the verses in the course because a lot of the verses I was quoting and I gave you the, the, the chapter and section and everything. But that's in a nutshell. You, you can get an idea. And, and, and as I said, you know, if you really want to know what the course is saying, people like Kenneth Wapnick, people like Gary Renard, people like myself who do not compromise on what the course is saying. And everything I said, I backed it up with a verse in the course that you can go and look at yourself. It's just that, you know, people have to overlook these verses to say that God intersects with, that the divine intersects with the world. You have to ignore these verses that say everything here is an illusion, that there's no life outside of heaven, you know, that, that the miracle looks on devastation and reminds you that it's false, that miracles are thoughts. That the tiny mad idea is a tiny mad idea that the Son of God forgot to laugh at. People have to ignore these verses to maintain the, the, the belief that something here has to do with reality at all. 
to, as I read earlier in chapter four, to keep their sense of illusory identity intact. That's what it's about. We're afraid of losing our individuality. But eventually what happens is, as we gradually go along and gradually start to look at the devastation that is the pain and upset that we have and start to forgive it, start to let it go by recognizing that reality is only beyond this. So therefore, nothing can really have an effect on me. And we start to become more peaceful. The first thing that goes away is our anger, our judgment, our fear. And then eventually we realize that I is painful too. That I itself, the I itself is an aberration. Then we let that go and then and then we no longer reincarnate. So I know that's a lot. What questions do you all have or comments do you all have out of that? Yeah, I know that we both have um, some questions, and I think where I find the course challenging, I know it's like a 620-page textbook, and you know the workbook's 478 pages, and just even the passages there that you read are so deep, and you know it really feels like, I know that there's like meetup groups for A Course in Miracles, and I think it really helps when there's people like yourself who you know, can kind of teach it a little bit, because sometimes it's just, it's really heavy. It's a lot to, it to take in and to dissect, and then how do you you know, take these words and just apply it to your life and what's happening in real time. Um, right. I know Mike has a couple of questions too, um, but one of the one of the questions that I kind of had is, you know, I could imagine that some people might even be turned off by the word heaven or by the word God or, um, you know, saying that there's. I forget the word wording that you use that there's like no separation from mm-hmm. heaven, but you know. Doesn't that kind of make it sound like that maybe heaven is like this destination or that there's this place? And if we are kind of also thinking about consciousness and the way that it moves, I mean, how do you interpret what heaven is without it giving it almost feeling like it is this certain location that we go to or that we may exist in when we're not in our physical body? Good question. And the way you get to that point is just by taking the course in total. You know, just by reading it and taking the verses in total because, you know, and that's a very good point because, you know, it turns a lot of people off. But but the reason why it's worded that way is, again, because it's coming through a certain channel. Like if you, when you get into channeling, you learn that, you know, it, it can't help but to come through the, the, the device that it's using, which is which is that 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 being, that that consciousness, that that personality, right? So Helen was into Shakespeare. She loved Shakespeare. That's why a lot of the the, the chorus is written in Shakespeare, Shakespearean blank verse. Helen uh, very much liked the language of the Bible, so it comes in the language of the Bible, and of, and of course the the uh, 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 the first one to reach enlightenment, Yeshua, the Christian religion is based upon him. So on the one hand, you have the fact that the channel that it came through like those forms. And on the other hand, you have the distortion that the Christian religion has become uh, was was supposedly based upon what this pure manifestation of that right mind was. So at, in one fell sweep, by using that language, the course is correcting a few millennia of misinterpretation. Right. So so that's one reason why or I guess you could say two reasons why the wording is that way. So, you know, it uses the word heaven, but it clearly says that there's no life outside of heaven. Uh, it clearly says that there's there's a first. There's no second. There's no third. There's only the first. It still it's, it clearly says that that uh, in our in our recent verses, I want to make sure that I, I back this up with verses so that people, you know, because because it's very easy to misinterpret the course when you don't actually 
refer to verses. So let's go to, to a part in the workbook. This is, this is in workbook 169. Workbook, workbook lesson 169, a paragraph, one, two, three, four, five. It says, oneness is simply the idea that God is. And in his being, he encompasses all things. No mind holds anything but him. We say God is, in quotes, we say, quote, God is, and then we cease to speak. For in that knowledge, words are meaningless. There are no lips to speak them and no mind sufficiently distinct to feel that it is now aware of something not itself. Let me read that again. There are no lips to speak those words, God is, and no part of mind sufficiently distinct to feel that it is now aware of something not itself. It has united with its source, and like its source itself, it merely is. That is a statement of pure non-dualism. So it is saying heaven, God, oneness. There is not even, it's so one there's, that there's not even a mind, a distinction to be aware of something not itself. That's pure non-dualism. So that's how you know it's not a destination. Because if it's a destination, then I'm here. I'm aware of a destination. And there's heaven, which is a destination, which is separate from me. But what the Course is saying, that this state of oneness is not, it's so absolute that there's not even a mind to be aware of something that's not heaven. It's only oneness. So it's not talking about a destination. There's another verse, let me find it, where it says, uh, let me see. Let me find this from just for a moment. It rings off the top of my, my mind, but I don't remember the exact verse. Okay, the, the exact positioning. It's in chapter 14. This is in chapter 14, section 4, uh, uh, paragraph 1. This, this is the section called Your Function in, in Atonement. It says, Yet truth is offered first to be received, even as God gave it first to his son. The first in time means nothing. But the first in eternity is God the Father, who is both first and one. Now, now listen closely. Beyond the first, there is no other. For there is no order, no second or third, and nothing but the first. Let me read that again. Beyond the first, there is no other. For there is no order, no second or third, and nothing but the first. So we read a verse in the, in the, man, in the workbook. That was saying there's only God is doesn't distinct enough to be aware of something not itself. And it says it again in the text beyond the first, there's no other. So when you're talking about God, you can't be talking about some separate being. A lot of people, because the course might speak anthropomorphically and, and sort of speak in that way. And people mistakenly believe God really made us and sent us here and he wants us to come back. No, in heaven, there is only God, meaning is not talking about God in a, in a religious sense. If you go to the Bible, if you go to the Quran, if you go to all of these these uh, 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 religious texts, you know, God made the universe. God made man. God interacts with man. So there's clearly not there's clearly God the first. But then there's, you know, some people say there's Jesus the second and the Holy Spirit the third and so on and so forth. But there is a second. There is a third. Then there's a trillion because there's all the people on Earth. And, of course, if you recognize there's extraterrestrials, there's people in the extraterrestrial planets. And there's, there's, there's not, not just the first, the second, the third. There's a trillion. And people mistakenly believe that it's, that it's talking about God interacting with this 
world. But the course clearly says there's God, there's no there's no second, there's no third, there's only God. So when it's talking about God, he's using that religious term, but he's talking about a purely non-dualistic state within which there's no separation and outside of which nothing else is. That's why we read that verse earlier. It says outside of life, there's no heaven. We read that specifically. So if you put those verses together, God or heaven is talking about, again, is a purely non-dualistic state outside of which nothing exists, within which there is no distinction at all. There's only that oneness. So we're talking about absolute oneness, pure non-duality. So, so I mean, the Course says that literally. It's saying, it's saying these things. So it's clearly not talking about some kind of religious heaven. But again, it uses those words to correct 2,000 years of Christianity, in a sense, and also to, to represent the form that it came through. Helen Schuckman, who liked those verses. But all you have to do is read what the Course says instead of, read, instead of uh, accepting what we wanted to say. And it clearly says otherwise. And, and the good thing about it is, I mean, it is a self-correcting mechanism because, you know, if you, if you take it to mean what it's not saying, it's simply not going to work. Miracles are thoughts. We read that specifically earlier. So if you try to make the miracle of something in the world, you're going to find your peace does not go away. You're going to find you're not getting the results to the, to the degree that it claims you can get it. You will not experience peace. The results speak for themselves because the peace that we feel like if you, if you go into to some of the things that made it through to the Bible. Right. You know, when when when, G, when Jesus was on the cross, when Yeshua was on the cross being crucified and it, it came across as him saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was forgiving even while he was being murdered. You know, the, the, the way the course uh, teaches it more accurately in chapter 6 it says that you know matter of fact let's read that because I want to make sure I give verses because people have so many miscon misconceptions that I, that I, I want to make sure when I teach this stuff that so flagrantly contradicts what a lot of people say including very popular people that they're just not teaching the course and that's why it contradicts what the course is actually saying uh, and I'm going to chapter 6 of the text now, this, is this is chapter 6 section 1 paragraph 4 Chapter 6, 1 and 4. Assault can ultimately be made only on the body. There is little doubt that one body can assault another and can even destroy it. Now listen to this. Yet if destruction itself is impossible, yet if destruction itself is impossible, let's go through the verses we read earlier. We read that the miracle looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. Right? That's in the workbook, the, section, the, the second uh, part. Uh, uh, section 13, what is a miracle? Then the miracle looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false because all of this is illusion because as we read, there's only oneness, quote, God, and there's nothing outside of that. Therefore, anything other than God is impossible because it's only oneness. Everything else is, is illusory. Thus, destruction is impossible because destruction could only happen within an illusion. You starting to get it? Anything that is destructible cannot be real because of all the stuff we read already. Its destruction, therefore, does not justify anger. Let me read that again. Yet if destruction itself is impossible, anything that is destructible cannot be real, like the physical body. Therefore, its destruction, therefore, does not justify anger. The reason why he cannot be angry, even though his body was was being destroyed because he realized that anything outside of that absolute oneness does not exist. 
he did not identify with his physical body. That's why the course, that's why the miracle is not about healing the body. Why would, why would you want to heal what does not exist? Right? That's not to say you, don't, you shouldn't go to the doctor if you're ill and eat. Again, what I refer to in the manual. All, all changes required in, in the life of God teaches. You can, you, know, you can read that on your own time because you know, it's a, a section. But just referring to it, you can go back and read it. There's no changes required in the life of God teaches. You can, you can go to the doctor and eat organic food. I mean, I do all that stuff. I eat organic food you know, because it's healthier. I feel better when I eat it. If I have an injury, I go to the physical therapist, like I, I go to the gym and stuff like that. Sometimes I get an injury. You know, if, I, if, I, if I'm ill, I go to the doctor, I get an antibiotic, whatever. But still, you can recognize that because the body is destructible, it is not real because, again, there's no life outside of heaven. So you have to understand the purely non-dualistic framework that the Course is, is presented in in order to truly apply the miracle. If you believe that the world is real and God created the world, then you're not going to be able to apply it properly and you're not going to start to experience the peace that comes from applying it properly. You're not going to experience, as the Course says, that peace, that passive understanding that, 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 that the Bible talks about. The reason why that peace passes understanding is because when you believe the world is real, it's not understandable to not be upset when your body is being destroyed <laughs> because it's my body. This is all I have. This is my life. If you destroy my body, I'm dead. So we're very invested in our body being alive, obviously. So you're not going to be able to understand how you could be at perfect peace even while your body is being destroyed because you recognize that the body is just as illusory as everything else. As we read in chapter 18, your whole world rests upon it. Everything you see reflects it. And now you're starting to see how all these verses intersect. It's saying one thing. The reason why destruction is impossible and anything that's destructible can't be real is because everything that's destructible is a projection, as it says in chapter 18, section 1, of that one thought that's illusory. Thus, everything we see reflects that one thought, so everything here is illusory, which is why life does not exist outside of heaven, because that alone is real, and there is no separation and no distinction in what is real and what is life and what is heaven. You see how this all connects. So the Course is very clear what it says. But as I read in chapter 4, we have that investment in separation, that investment in our temporary existence, which is why it talks about in chapter 13, section 3, the fear of redemption. We have a fear of letting go of this pain because our existence is dependent upon it. So the Course is very clear about what it says, but because of our fear of letting go of this temporary sense of self, we want to hold on to it. So we distort what the Course says. But again, if you want to understand what the Course is saying, you know, I started going to study groups. I don't go anymore because they teach such inaccurate stuff. If you, if you go as a, as a, I mean, it could be a social event. You know, sometimes I go to events as a social event. But I suggest that you do not t you take what they say as a grain of salt. I'm, I've yet to go to a core study group that accurately teaches the course. I went to core study groups in Louisiana. Right now I live in Kentucky. I went to events in Kentucky. I've gone out to, Saint, to see Kenneth Wapnick several times while he was alive. I heard him, saw him teach in person. And I went to uh, study groups in the area. I've yet to find when I teaches the course accurately. I've yet to find it. Uh, you know, I don't try to, you know, initially when I was less you know, savvy in the, you know, with my own application, I just try to correct them. But <laughs> now when I go, I just listen and, and I just let them say what they say and I leave and I just don't go back, you know, but, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not so social. I prefer to like, like you were saying, you were asking me about my holidays. I prefer to just be at home and write and meditate and stuff. You know, I get on play video games sometimes, but I don't go out much, but you know, if you want to go as a social event, it's fine. But if you want to know what the course is saying, you know, get the book, the disappearance of the universe by Gary Bernard. 
It will tell you what the course is saying. You know, you know, get get anything by Kenneth Wapnick. You will learn what the course is saying. You know, get my book, Classes on the Course in Miracles, where right? it's, 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 it's transcripts of classes. Like, I, I know we only have an hour, so I've been going kind of fast. But, you know, I take my time a bit more and because I, and, I know the person will be coming back next week. So we, we, we take things step by step and go over things over several weeks. And you can read, you know, classes where I go over things verse by verse and we go over concepts. You know, find somebody who's actually teaching what the course is saying if you want to know what the course is really saying. And there's a lot of popular people that, that teach stuff. And the reason why they're so popular is because they're not teaching what the course is saying. They're teaching new age stuff that people want to hear. You know, they're teaching, you know, they're really teaching stuff like, you know, the law of attraction and, and stuff like that. And then they throw in a course, course verse every now and then. And people think they talked about the course. They're not. You know, why would the course want you to manifest an illusion? It's illusion. The course wants you to get out of illusion. The course wants you to wake up from the devastation that is the experience of being separate from reality. That's, that's what the miracle is. You know, uh, uh, <clears throat> let's go to our version introduction of the, of the course. We're talking about the introduction. Now, this is the introduction. This is uh, you're just getting into it. And this is what it says. <clears throat> it says uh, in, 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 in the introduction. This course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love. A lot of people want, want the course to be about love and light. It's not. It says in inter introduction, the course is, does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. Why is it beyond what can be taught? Because as we read earlier, reality is totally beyond separation. There is no interaction between reality and illusion. So you can't teach about something that's totally beyond your purview. But what you can do, the introduction says, it does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence. Removing the blocks, right? That's why the Course says in the, in the workbook, as we read earlier, it looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. They're say, it's saying the same thing all the way through. So the course is not about teaching you to be loving. The course is about teaching you to look at your hatred, look at your judgment, look at your condemnation, look at your fear and recognize all of that. As we read in chapter 18 is a, is a reflection of that one pain of being separate and recognizing that that original pain is not true as well. And thus we can learn to, to, to interpret the world from that perspective over and over and over when we feel upset, when we feel angry, when we, when we feel judgmental. The blocks to the awareness of love as it talks about in the, in the, in the introduction, right? The devastation as it talks about in, in the, in the, in the uh, uh, workbook, you know, the, the special relationships as it talks about in chapter 18. We start to look at those things and reinterpret it. And then we start to experience a peace an inner peace, an unshakable inner peace that lets us know that our reality is totally beyond the illusion altogether. So we don't we don't automatically jump out, you know, as the Course says, you know, you, you can find this one on your own, but it says that, you know, the, the, the sleeping mind, you know, it can't just automatically awaken up because it'll be too frightening. So it has to have a gentler dream. A lot of people mistakenly believe that the real world means that, you know, the Course uses the term the real world. People mistakenly believe that means that, uh, 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 you know, you're going to have everything you want in the world. No, the real world is what the Course is talking about, is that is that state of absolute peace that comes from interpreting the world from that non-dualistic perspective. So, I mean, the Course says everything all the way through, but there's a section of the Course called The Real World that you can read that talks about that. But, you know, if you take this interview and you play it back again a few times, 
And then you start to read the, the course, you'll be able to see how, how all these things align. You start to see what the course is really saying. The course has a, is a purely non-dualistic teaching. It's not trying to teach you how to do or be anything in the world at all. It's only about how you think. And it's about interpreting the world from that perspective of non-duality that recognizes that nothing in the world can affect me because reality is totally beyond the world. And that's how we have that peace that passes understanding as we read in chapter 6 because we realize our true life has nothing to do with this illusory existence. So what other questions or comments came up? you have anything to say, Mike? Yeah, you went through a ton of stuff, and I'm totally new to this material. And I actually, going into the show, I had a, a feeling that it was something different than what, you know, just going by the title. And we talked a bit about it a little bit the last time we talked, um, but you really went in pretty deep with a lot of stuff. Basically, I guess, and of course I'm going to have to, I would have to listen to the this interview again to get a real better, more intellectual question, but I guess as a beginner, what drew you to this material and what resonated with you to keep coming back to it to, to now teach it? Pain. Yeah, I mean, that's what it resonated. Just like, just like, uh, I don't know if we actually read that verse. I'll, I'll put, I'll, I'll find it while we're talking. It's in chapter two. But just pain, man. Just, just, you know, uh, being upset with life, being upset with just, just dissatisfaction, uh, uh, anger, uh, judgment. You know, and I still have all these things. I still get angry. I still get frustrated. Which I always like to throw out there. You know, uh, I'm not enlightened yet. I'm not some kind of guru or anything. I'm still learning. Uh, but you know, just, 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 just being upset. You know, just. Just, just, you know, uh, want, wanting to have inner peace. And that's that's what really made me stick with the course. You know, ever since I was a kid, you know, I was mentioning earlier about I started, I started to become aware of different lifetimes and things like that. So even when, I, you know, when I was very young, I had the idea of breaking a cycle of birth and death. I remember when I was a little kid and my, my mom, when my parents would give me <laughs> uh, allowances. I actually saved up my allowance and ordered a metaphysical book through the mail. You know, I'm, I'm like six or seven years old and I, and I got a book in the mail. And my parents, like, they just gave me the, the they didn't know what it was. They just gave me the envelope. Like, what does this dude getting mail for? I mean, you know, so ever since I was a kid, I was always interested in, in spirituality. And, and, and then I got into the Indian thought, breaking a cycle of birth and death. And I started to get into the to the uh, Bhagavad Gita a bit, and, and the and the Upanishads, and, and these Indian texts, and and, uh, and and uh and eventually I started to get, you know, I was pretty much trying to find any kind of way I can to exit. The, the, the universe exit uh, uh, samsara as, as I think the Buddhists call it and I started to get into ascension and with the out of body experience I started to get into the ideas of the of the the, the, the fall that you can take that you know like learning how to even dematerialize the body I didn't get to that point but uh, and then when when Gary Renard I heard him I heard he got met by court ascended masters uh, and I heard his interview and that's when I bought the disappearance of the universe and I found out what the course is really saying I mean I actually learned about the course Years before, I was still in high school. Like I said, I was searching since I was a kid. And that's when I went to my first study group with the course. But whatever that guy was talking about, I knew I didn't want. He was trying to use the course to justify his anger rather than just acknowledging that he's getting angry sometimes. He was trying to say the Holy Spirit got him to be angry and yell at this person. And I'm like, whatever this guy's talking about, I don't need that. I know it's not spiritual. But eventually when I got to Gary and I read his book and I realized what the Course is really saying and I started to understand that this could really help me to have inner peace and this could really help me to actually leave the cycle of birth and death and no longer reincarnate anymore. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't stay with the Course because, as I mentioned earlier, is a threat to our individual existence, uh, is a threat to a lot of things we want to believe and hold on to, especially like if you're a Christian and you believe Jesus said certain things, as I read earlier, Jesus has a totally different perspective of the crucifixion. 
You know, he didn't die for people's sins. He was being an example of the fact that you could be at peace no matter what. He was being an example of the fact that reality is totally beyond this illusion. So the course challenges a lot of heartfelt beliefs. Uh, uh, but for me, it just challenges my investment in the world. It challenges my investment in, in valuing things in the world uh, and believing it's valuable. And uh, so several times I actually decided I'm not going to study the course anymore because it's frightening me so much. Uh, but but. You know, eventually I would go back to the world and I would feel upset or pain or, or judgment. And I just realized when I interpreted the world from the way the course teaches it, I, I experienced more peace. So that's what that's what made me stick with it. That's what I mean. That's when that's, that's what's going to make anybody stick with the course is this the pain that we feel uh, 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 existing in this world. So, and I'll, uh and I'll read this verse here in a moment. Uh, but but yes, that's what it was. Uh, and, until you get to that point, you know, you're not going to really stick with the course until you get to the point of recognizing that we're really just not happy here. Uh, we're really we're really not happy with the world. Again, that's why that's why talking about earlier, you know, that's why people have to keep on seeking and seeking and seeking. You know, uh, so often I hear people talk about this void that they have, that they're trying to fill, this emptiness that they're trying to fill, but they can't fill it. And the reason why we can't fill it is because the universe is a projection of the idea of separation from what is real. That's why nothing that we do in the world makes us happy. But uh, I just wanted to have that peace, man. And I just started to realize that uh, doing it in the world wasn't working. And again, I still have my ego. You know, I always want to make sure I'm clear that I'm not enlightened, I'm not perfect. But I noticed that I have more peace than I did. I noticed that as time goes on, I have more peace. You know, I, I noticed that uh, things that used to upset me don't some of the things that used to I still get upset, <laughs> but I noticed that some of the things that used to upset me don't upset me anymore. Uh, I noticed that the things that still do upset me, it upsets me a bit less sometimes. And I noticed that when things do really upset me and I let myself get embroiled in my anger, I have a way to deal with it. I have forgiveness. I have the miracle. So that's what really made me stick with it. Why don't we um, take the listeners to the book that you're writing about The Course in Miracles that's coming out in 2016 and where they can find your information? Yes, it's, it's called Classes on the Course in Miracles. And uh, uh, and basically, it's uh, transcripts of classes that's not just this fast paced because I know we only had an hour or so. I want to make sure I got enough information there because I know people could just go back and click it again. But uh, it's basically transcripts of 12 classes that I taught on the Course in Miracles where, uh, you know, answering questions and going through verses. And uh, it's, it's 390 pages. Uh, it's six by nine inches. So it's a lot of material as well because there's so much that can be said about the course. And it'll, uh, it'll, 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 it'll allow you to see what the course is really saying uh, it'll be available by march is actually finished now i have sent you that image but that's the image of the proof where i can read it and to make sure there's no, no typos or anything so i'll go through that and send it back and uh and it should be available on amazon by march uh and you can find me at uh daryl eberry jr.com d-a-r-r-y-l-e-b-e-r-r-y-j-r.com and, uh, and if, you, if you want something immediately, like I said, you can't go wrong with Gary Renard, his book, uh, The Disappearance of the Universe. And, uh, and then there's Kenneth Wapnick as well. Uh, you go to you go to org, and, and uh, he has tons of books and, and uh, uh, teachings. But I mean, everybody has their way. And uh, basically, but if you're if you're studying the course quote studying the course but you're 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 not actually teaching or learning what is actually saying then essentially you're studying a different spiritual path really you might call it the same thing and that's what i see a lot of people call it the same thing and use a lot of the same words but they're teaching something totally different 
If you want to know what the course actually says, you want to go to Gary Renard, Kenneth Waptic, and myself, Darrell E. Barry Jr. And again, you'll be able to see in the verses what it's saying, and it's, it's so clear. And uh, you know, but I hope everybody enjoyed. And, uh, and, and you know, it's not for everybody because not everybody's ready. Not everybody's ready to. I mean, it's very challenging. It's very not not just the intellectual aspect of it, but it's just it's very challenging to to look into yourself as deeply as it challenges you to do. It's very challenging to question your values to the, the to the degree that it does. You know, it's very challenging because we we always want to make our little I don't know what the word is like that little place of thing that you know that's still valuable you know we still want to make the world ruled in some way we still want to make a lot of people want to believe that the Holy Spirit teaches them things in the world and wants to cares about what job you get and cares about helping you get a parking spot there's so many different misconceptions people have because we still want to hold on to that individuality the, the course is so challenging but uh, but if you start to approach it from the proper angle from the proper theoretical perspective then it, it could like make a lot more sense sense and then you'll be able to apply it and start to experience the peace that is leading you towards so and i hope you get, get get it it'll be out by march and it'll be available on amazon and uh on amazon and on, on kindle and uh, i'll be it might come out even sooner i mean whenever it's available but if you go to daryl e barry jr.com d-a-r-r-y-l-e-b-e-r-r-y-g-r.com i'll make sure i post you know when it's available at, at immediately Great. Well, it was so nice to have you back on a second time. And, you know, we thank you for your time and all the information and stuff that you had to share. It was a great interview. Thanks again. Welcome, April and Mike. Thanks for having me. I enjoy being here and, you know, hope I can be back again. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepastseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com. Our films are also streaming online at Vimeo.com, GuyMTV.com, and iTunes. If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at info at thepastseries.com or send us a tweet at the past series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show. 